to Myth Monsters. My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture and we can see these represented in modern day content so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. This week we're headed back over to my favourite mythology and that's Greek with the horrible sea sisters of ancient Greece, Scylla and Charybdis. I will tell you the spellings as they're a bit strange. It's pronounced Scylla, much like Scylla Black, but spelled S-C-Y-L-L-A and Charybdis is kind of pronounced slightly like Cardi B but also like the name Charis but it's C-H-A-R-Y-B-D-I-S bit of a wild one it honestly took me a little while to figure out how to pronounce these so if you've heard me say these beforehand I probably said them wrong I apologise but they're the correct ones Scylla and Charybdis now these two are the original terrifying sea monster pair so scary that their names actually still live on and are used to this day they were a formidable pair that lived in between Italy and Sicily in a bottleneck in the sea called the Strait of Messina. This is a very tiny, tiny channel and had Scylla on one side and Charybdis on the other, almost as bad as each other. They were located close enough to each other that they posed an inescapable threat to passing sailors. Avoiding Charybdis meant getting too close to Scylla and vice versa. It wasn't a fun situation to be in. So why was it so bad? We'll start with Scylla. She is generally described as a multi-headed, multi-eyed creature. She had six heads at the end of very long snake-like necks, all of which were terribly hideous, with three rows of razor-sharp teeth. From the waist down, she had four dog heads that would howl and snap at the air. And lastly, 12 very long tentacles that would act as her legs. She would pluck sailors out of their boats and eat them, obviously. Sometimes she's described as having snake heads, sometimes dog legs. It all really depends on the variation you're thinking about. But altogether, she was pretty ferocious. She's also sometimes said to have had an appetite for only six people to fill all of her six mouths. But other reports say that she would just relentlessly munch on every member of the crew if she got a chance. Charybdis, on the other hand, was maybe a little scarier. There are differing physical descriptions of her. Sometimes she's an octopus, sometimes she's kind of a kraken-like creature, sometimes she's just a whirlpool. Either way, she lived at the bottom of the channel and three times a day, she would swallow a whole load of water and spit it back out again, creating the most epic whirlpool and consuming anything that got in its flow, including entire ships and their crews. She was also described as eternally hungry and these whirlpools were miles and miles long, so you can imagine how scary this is. Also, I'd just like to say that I would also describe myself as eternally hungry, just whilst we're on the topic. The most popular description of her is that she is the personification of a whirlpool, but the teeth visible all around the curving of the water, tearing ships and sailors apart just as easily as one another, or that of a giant sea worm with loads of eyes and teeth. Either way, she's not very fun to get involved with. Now, I know what you're thinking, why on earth would anyone go near either of these horrific beasts? Well, sometimes you just had to get through and you'd have to make the tricky choice as to which monster you would face. Would you face potentially half your crew being devoured by a multi-headed snake woman 
or risk your entire ship and crew being dragged down to a very jagged, watery grave. Well, this might sound familiar, but this exact situation is what gave way to the idiom between a rock and a hard place, meaning the lesser of two evils, or you've got to choose between two pretty bad things, but you have to choose one of them, mate. Sorry. The original idiom was actually between Scylla and Charybdis. You can look this up, it's actually a true fact. But however, whenever I think of this saying, I always think of the part in the Simpsons movie where Homer is continuously flung between a rock and a bar called Hard Place. It's it's just so funny in my head. So where did these beasts come from? Well, they were actually both demigods, believe it or not. And I know we've talked about some weird demigod creatures in previous episodes, like Slipnia and Fenrir, for example, from Loki in Norse myth. But these ones are a little bit different. We'll start with Scylla. She was actually officially a nymph, which is a delicate spirit of woodland or lakes. She was specifically a water nymph who would guard the streams around kind of their designated area. Scylla was the daughter of the sea gods Phorcus and Seto. You might remember these from my first episode on Medusa because they are the same sea gods that were her parents too. They were primordial sea gods and were also the parents of the Griae, who were old hags who shared an eyeball and a single tooth between them. This might ring a bell from Disney's Hercules, but I digress. There are some stories of how she became the monster we know her as. Some say that Poseidon, god of the sea, pursued her, so his wife poisoned Scylla's bathing waters. Others say that she boasted of her beauty to Olympus and the gods collectively decided to curse her. But my favourite one is that of Glaucus, He was a sea god who fell in love with her and asked the sorceress Circe for a love potion. But Circe, who was equally in love with Glycus herself, gave him a drink that turned Scylla into the monster. Very, very tragic, very sad. With Charybdis, she was the daughter of Poseidon and the earth titan Gaia, and she was also once completely normal. However, again, there are two stories. One is that she stole Heracles' oxen, so Zeus punished her by shooting her in the face with a lightning bolt and binding her to the sea. Not specifically the face, but it just had a better ring to it. The other is more interesting. It's said that Charybdis helped her dad in his feud with Zeus, who was actually her uncle in that kind of lineage, in covering the lands with water, adding to Poseidon's domain. Zeus was rightly miffed over the stolen land, so captured and chained her to the seabed. He then cursed her and transformed her into the monster we know, with an uncontrollable thirst for the sea and all that lurk within it. Also, I'd like to say that I have been calling these two sisters throughout this, kind of at the beginning, last episode, and this isn't technically correct. They're actually not related at all, although it's a bit of a stretch to say that considering that pretty much everyone in Greek myth is linked and bedding someone. It's not entirely uncommon to sleep with your own mother or your own sister in Greek myth. So it could, could link back somehow. Now both of the monsters got their fame through two hero stories. Now they're very relevant, so stay with me here. I know you didn't come here for the heroes. The first is that of Odysseus and the Odyssey. This is the real big story. So Odysseus faced both Charybdis and Scylla whilst rowing through the channel. He ordered his men to avoid Charybdis as the sorceress Circe advised him not to and to quote, Hug Scylla's crag, sail on past her, top speed. Better by far to lose six men and keep your ship than lose your entire crew. So she forced them to pass near Scylla, which resulted in the deaths of six of his men. Here's a great quote from the Iliad, which is where this story is from. They arrived, gasping as Scylla swung them up her cliff, and there, at her cavern's mouth, 
and she bolted them down raw, screaming out, flinging their arms towards me, lost in that mortal struggle. Later on in the story, Odysseus actually sweeps back through the strait on a raft and passes near Charybdis. He was then nearly sucked into her moor, but survived by clinging onto a fig tree. His raft, however, was not so lucky and went in. However, when Charybdis did her giant release of water, the raft popped out and Oddie went to safety. It's a great story, highly recommend if you have the time or the interest in the Odyssey. It's a very, very, very good story, but it is a bit silly. The other story is that of Jason and his Argonauts, although this one is very brief. They were able to navigate through without losing a single man or a single boat, and this is because Achilles, the great war hero from Greek myth, was on the boat and his mum was a water nymph sent by Hera and Athena who helped them through because they liked them. That's literally it. Not particularly exciting, but it's worth a mention. Now on to cultural significance for art this week. Have a look at Peter Paul Rubens' paintings of Scylla and Glassus who are just beautiful and very well known in the art world. I would recommend looking those up. In regards to Charybdis, she's just like not really classically drawn, more of an independent art situation, but look it up, all of the interpretations are pretty scary, from the big underwater worms to giant octopuses, or octopi, I suppose. For movies, the main ones I have for this week are Percy Jackson and the Sea of Monsters, where she makes a massive appearance, Godzilla, King of Monsters, again, massive appearance, a kind of debatable one is Pirates of the Caribbean, mainly because Charybdis may or may not have been the Kraken. She certainly looks like it. And lastly, there's the Odyssey film where both monster ladies are featured. For TV, there are a few things that include monstrous whirlpools, including One Piece, DuckTales. That time I got reanimated as a slime. Yes, that last one is a thing. And of course, it is an anime. However, there aren't actually ones that specifically feature those two ladies. For video games, we have the usual ones. So God of War, Smite, Age of Empires, but again, the multi-headed Hydra slash monster whirlpool are generally included in a lot of games. One of which even being World of Warcraft. But I'm sure there's an absolute load of them that include this kind of mechanic. My book recommendation is actually a new one. It's Greek Myths, Meet the Heroes, Gods and Monsters of Ancient Greece by Jean Menzies. Now, this is an illustrated one. It's definitely more aimed towards kids, but it's super informative and really fun to read. For my more adult listeners, I've got one that's more related to Greek gods that has just been brought to my attention. Greek Mythology, The Gods, Goddesses and Heroes Handbook by Liv Albert, who is the voice behind the amazing podcast Let's Talk About Myths, Baby which I've been listening to for a little while. It's fabulous, super informative if you're into that kind of thing. And this book is all about the gods and their adventures. So if you're into that, go get that book. Now it's time for Do I Think They Existed? I mean, the idea that a whirlpool exists is not too unreasonable. They have been very much proven to exist in just our own bathtubs when you pull the plug out. Or with pool filters sucking people's scalps off or their intestines out. Please don't research this one. I saw it on A Thousand Ways to Die. Don't, don't do it. And there is actually a whirlpool where she is meant to be. But it is only tiny and it's only really dangerous to very small boats in very extreme conditions. So that's fun, but note to self, don't go rowboating around Italy and Sicily. However, the idea of practically a hydra and a whirlpool sitting off the coast of Sicily waiting for a ship to go past 
just seems a bit wild to me. Like, what do they do the rest of the time? Play Uno? One of them doesn't even really have a body, so how could you kind of have a chat with her when the guy you're texting ghosts you? Or I guess, doesn't send you a scroll or a carrier pigeon, I suppose. But anyway, I think their proverbial message is wonderful, and I can't imagine being given that choice whether to kill off half my crew knowingly or to sacrifice my entire ship, so I fully sympathise with Odysseus. But at the end of the day, he could have avoided it and gone round if he wasn't in such a big rush to get home. And I do understand that. I I totally sympathise. I love getting home from London. But go round. Go round, Italy. Or do what Jason did after grabbing his woolly jacket and just be friends with all the gods and all of their children. That, That works too. However, I love these two a lot. I think they're really cool characters from Greek mythos. And the idea that their story lives on in actually quite a common phrase in language brings me so, so much joy. Next week, we're going back over the pond to Scotland, one of my most favourite places, which I'm going to in a few weeks. And by popular demand, we are looking at the majestic national animal, the unicorn. Come riding in with me on Thursday and we'll go into a sunset and a rainbow. And I just thought I'd give you a little bit of a heads up for a couple of weeks in advance. I am going to take a two-week holiday from the 20th of September to the 4th of October. So there will be no advertising or anything like that. And there will be no episodes between these two weeks. I'm going on holiday. I'm going to Edinburgh for a week. And then I'm going to Denmark to visit my lovely colleagues. So I will be out. I will not be able to record. And I'm just going to take some time to myself. So I hope you stick with me. I will be back and we'll have a special in October to catch up for Halloween too. But for now, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you're listening on if you can. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next. And I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok and Instagram are Myth Monsters Podcast. And the Twitter is MythMonstersPod. But all of our content can always be found at MythMonsters.co.uk. So come join the fun and share this with your pals. They might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay spooky. I'll see you later, babes. Bye.